change the way it's done, do it quicker, faster, whatever it is, that's true innovation. How'd they do that? Step number one would be try it. Have you tried? What, what innovation are you talking about? What's the number one priority? What do we have to innovate first? Hi everyone, Mark here and welcome back to the Indifference Podcast, where I have conversations with people at the top of their game about how they create progress in key areas. So far in this podcast series, we've talked to experts from health, business, urban planning and finance. Today, we're going to take a look at developing the mindset and skills needed to create progress in many of these areas. To tackle this, countries are looking at what happens in schools and universities. With reports from the OECD showing that 11% of government spending goes in education. On this episode of Indifference, I have a conversation with Alan Morgan, who's an educational specialist at the Innovation Academy in University College Dublin. Alan is currently director of a creativity and innovation program that supports educators in schools and universities in developing skills to tackle some of these problems. Alan is someone who's leading the charge in this area, so I really hope you enjoy our conversation. Let's get started. Alan, thanks very much for joining me today. This is one of the interviews that I've really been looking forward to throughout the whole series because, to be honest, just say thanks to yourself for a lot of the encouragement and a lot of the advice when I was actually putting together the podcast series. So thanks for that, and it's great to be chatting with you today. Oh, thanks so much, Mark. I'm delighted. I'm looking forward to this so much myself. Just to kick things off, now, what was it that first got you interested in entrepreneurial education? To a certain extent, I'm a newcomer to uh, academia, much of a standard kind of entry into academia. I spent uh, many, many years in business. For about 23 years, I, I worked in the retail industry. And I came from a background of family business. My father ran a small wholesale business. And I suppose from a very early age, uh, when I say an early age, eight years of age, I was sweeping the floor and packing customers' vans and making the tea and the coffee and all those things you do. So. To a certain extent, uh, that entrepreneurial mindset was instilled in me from an early age. And, you know, my father works seven days a week and uh, very often during the summers uh, and half days at school, I was, I was working those hours as well with my dad. So I kind of had that entrepreneurial uh, ethos within the, in the mindset to a certain extent. Moving on to my own career in retailing then when I left my father's business at about the age of 21 or 22, I... Uh, Went into retail buying and became a, you know, a buyer for a number of different organizations, both in Ireland and, and abroad, in the department store, homewares, DIY sector. And I would probably say in, in that sector, I became an intrapreneur. This is the concept of a corporate entrepreneur where someone takes the risks within the corporate environment, uh, although they're working for an organization, trying new things and so on. And I did that for a long time in my retailing, my retail buying. Took a lot of chances, took a lot of risks. Uh, most of them paid off. Some of them were a bit, uh, a bit too risky. But in general, they paid off. And, you know, I moved around in that career quite successfully from organization to organization. And I finally ended up in the pharmaceutical industry, which is really interesting. Uh, I never, ever thought I'd be in that. But more specifically in, in supply chain for a major pharmaceutical distribution company in Ireland. And to a certain extent, I was very much focused on pharmacy retailing as well. And again, within this sector, I was very much encouraged by the organization to think entrepreneurially as well and to take, take things in my own kind of hands and risk again. So that, that, it all kind of followed on from that. During the time I was uh, working, I went back to college. Uh, I, I did a, 
a number of different management diplomas and I did an MBA. And this was a real game changer for me and started my journey into academia where I actually saw that the people that were teaching me, the lecturers that were teaching me, were teaching me from a book and they weren't giving me the real insight into business, real life problems, that kind of real entrepreneurial mindset in relation to how, how to harness skills and, and bring it into the, the real world. So um, I spent a lot of time challenging those lecturers. And when I left the MBA program, it was from that I started looking into the academic area. Um, I eventually decided to leave industry and move into um, into academia uh, for a full-time basis. That was around 2012. And I was really from the entrepreneurial background from my father's business, the entrepreneurial focus on what I did in a corporate sense that kind of brought that into, and, and, and I suppose my experience in, in being at college as well, uh, going back to college. It's a very different experience going back to college as, a, as an adult learner, Mark, you know? Yeah. And because um, you look at things very differently as opposed to an undergrad who's seeing things from, from a very different set of lenses. We might actually touch on that, Alan, as well, up the road, because particularly when we step back and think of, you know, kids who are starting school this year, they're going to graduate in 2034. They'll graduate college if they go in 2038. But they'll actually retire in 2083. So the world's going to look completely different then. I think that adult education piece is, is a massive thing that gets completely overlooked. It's interesting to hear you say as well that you're given the, the time and space within these companies and organizations to solve some of these problems because that seems to be a big thing emerging as well. It's not just the innovation to get into the company, but also when you're actually there, that you know, you're solving problems for them, that gives them Absolutely. that kind of unique yeah. advantage. But uh, looking at that, how would you define what an entrepreneurial mindset is and how is it developed and why is it getting so much attention right now, do you think? Timing is, is really interesting. You know, obviously COVID-19 and the pandemic has fundamentally changed the, the world, uh, but it's had a fundamental uh, impact on education. If you look at um, education from a worldwide perspective, but roughly, I think it's 1.6 billion students were affected. 90% of those couldn't physically visit a place of learning. So there's a new way of thinking needed. And the whole concept of the entrepreneurial mindset is, has become, you know, almost a buzzword now. Creativity and innovation is, is a real buzzword within education. All you've got to do is look at the documentation coming out of the OECD at the moment, yeah. uh, World Economic Forum. I'd like to go back in time, Mark, if I may, yeah. very quickly uh, to 1930. And in 1930, a Japanese teacher whose name is um, Tunesaburu Makaguchi published the Soka education book which has become a, a real backdrop now in, in the current times we're living in to entrepreneurial thinking. And his concept was this whole value creation learning. And uh, he wrote in the introduction to his book, uh, and I quote, I am driven almost to distraction by the intense desire to prevent the present deplorable situation. 10 million of our children and students forced to endure the agonies of cutthroat competition, the difficulty of getting into good schools, the examination hell, and the struggle for jobs after graduation from afflicting the next generation. That was written in 1930, Mark. You could have like, written that last week. Absolutely. Isn't it incredible? <laughs> yeah, it is. So I, I think it's really, really important to understand that this has been around for, for, for many, many years. The concept of entrepreneurial learning, I would break it down into, into three areas. I would break it down into understanding ideas and opportunities, looking at the resources we need to use them, and how do you put them into action? And there's lots of factors around entrepreneurial thinking in relation to creativity, vision, valuing ideas, 
self-awareness, self-efficacy, resilience, uh, mobilizing resources. You know, what entrepreneurial mindset does, it does give the ability for the student to add value to what they're doing. It doesn't have to be monetary value. It doesn't have to be a, a value in the sense of bringing somebody wealth. And that's incredibly important to understand. This is a change that's needed. You, I mean, you mentioned there about when these kids are going to be retiring. It's incredibly scary uh, numbers, Mark. And, and again, if you look at the work of Professor uh, Young Chow from, um, uh, he's in a Canadian university, I can't remember the name, but he talks about granting children their deserved autonomy in choosing what they want to learn rather than imposing upon them what others deem useful is necessary to cultivating creative entrepreneurs in the age of globalization and creating that entrepreneurial mindset. He said this back in 2013, uh, but look at what the London Interdisciplinary School is doing now. They give the students the autonomy to what they want to learn, how they want to learn, when they want to learn, and in what manner that learning is formed for them. So, you know, we're looking down the road at a very different uh, canvas, in fact, that I think is going to be fundamentally changed. It's incredible to think of you know, this shift from looking at just content and outcomes to actually what fundamental skills are, are students and teachers picking up that can kind of stay with them and guide them for decades. So in your work, Alan, is, as you're supporting you know, students and teachers in developing this entrepreneurial mindset, how do you know what to focus on? The key question to this is research. I think we have to continue to look and to see the impact of programs around the world, to see what other organizations are doing. One of the changes that's going to come out of of COVID-19 is breaking down silos within the education system and having borderless education. And I think that's going to drive collaboration. I think it's going to drive organizations to, to not alone work together, but to think together. And to, to know what to focus on is, is to take these learnings and bring it back to what you're doing. Just give you an example of, of what I'm yeah. talking about. So I also take a huge amount of information and direction from what graduates of the program are doing. And a lot of the action learning projects that our, that our students do are fundamentally groundbreaking in their institution, in their faculty, in their classroom, school. Th- those tentacles of impact are having a huge uh, impact on the students, the the colleagues of these people and and the wider institutions as well. I focus on that. I look at the learnings and the developments that come out of that and I build on that and I bring it back into the next iteration of the program. And that's what's what's important to me. From conversations that we've had in the past is that that opportunity that you have to constantly update and revise and come up with the latest version of the course each time someone comes in the door to take part. I think that's definitely an incredible way of delivering these sort of uh, initiatives. If you look at the concept of, so we all have a unique and diverse talents and in a globalized world crowded by millions and millions of people, we can't all have the same talent to compete for the same jobs. Just like you said in a few minutes ago, Mark, this blue sky ahead of us is changing. The gig economy, new jobs, the way people want to work is going to change the way people are going to learn. Leaders in school organizations and in universities are going to have to adapt to this change. Curiosity and the creative mindset are going to be key areas of fuel uh, to drive this entrepreneurial concept in, in thinking. Looking back at all, all the work that you've done over the last number of years on cultivating this entrepreneurial mindset, how do you know if your approach is working? 
This is probably one of the most important questions, Mark. You know, I always say you can be sweeping the floor of the warehouse, but the door can be open behind you and the wind is blowing in the leaves and the dirt the whole time and, yeah. and you're making no progress. So there's kind of two or three answers to this from my perspective, if, if you don't, if you maybe just hear me out on this. Yeah. So I think we have an awful lot of confidence and respect for our teachers and our lecturers in the educational community and system in, in Ireland, say. And I think we do have that mark. I think you'd probably agree. Yeah, we definitely uh, value education as a society. I'd definitely say. Yeah, absolutely. We always have. And, you know, we'll, you know, if you look at the, the PISA results, which I'm not a big fan of, you know, but yeah. the PISA results in, in, if, in Ireland have always been very strong in Ireland and the knowledge economy and so on and so forth. So that, that's, a, that's a huge area. But taking that approach of, of having confidence in an education system is fine. But how do you know the, edu- the education system is working? I mean, I've, I've got a daughter who's, who's uh, about to sit her Leaving Cert uh, examination this year. And, you know, so it's very relevant to me and very timely. And I find that we have all gone through an education system. And, I, and again, I, I stated at the start of answering this question that I have huge respect for teachers and lecturers and so on and academics but to a certain extent we've come through uh, certainly uh, i've come through i'm i'm in my heading towards my mid-50s now and i came through that uh, era where teacher was god at the top of the classroom and they knew everything and they told me everything and they whacked that stick at me you know metaphorically speaking uh, that sage on the stage concept uh, and i think everyone agrees that that day is kind of gone and as i said to you before Children and learners need to have much more autonomy in their own learning. And I think that is happening. Uh, and the entrepreneurial mindset facilitates that. When I, when I see uh, learners on the program leave with an action learning project that they're so enthused about, they're almost jumping up and down for joy going to implement this. And when they do implement it, the impact of their project is always groundbreaking. Yeah. And what I'm doing at the moment is I, I am actually trying to develop my research in this area, kind of linked into my own doctoral research uh, around uh, creativity and, and innovation in, in the education system. So I suppose it is about collaboration, Mark. It is about trust. It is about uh, working together with learners from across the spectrum and understanding what their current approach is, understanding what their current problems are, understanding children and students as learners and having a focus on the future to what's ahead of them and to what's ahead of us. One of the things that you hit on there was kind of really empowering students to have more of a say over what happens in the classroom, essentially. You know, I always remember even thinking back to my own educational experiences. Mm-hmm. There were people, students in the class who were asking fundamental questions such as, you know, why do we need to know this? Is there, you know, is there kind of a better way of doing things? Are I more interested in X, Y, and Z? That innate insight that, hang on, there's a better way here, or maybe this isn't as important as the institutions are, are letting on. Do you think that's becoming a big emerging trend and actually going to be a big movement that the kids are right? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's almost, you know, uh, taking the line from that famous Pink Floyd song, isn't it? We don't need, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, education. We need no education. Yeah. yeah, you know, but I mean, I, I think there is. And teachers a, don't want to deliver it either, to be fair, no, when you have conversations with them. That's the thing. No, no. no. I mean, one of the things that strikes me, and, I, and you know, I'll just answer this question in, in a different way, if you don't mind. One of the things that strikes me about, about you know, particularly secondary school teachers, who go through the creativity and innovation program here at the academy 
on the community other end and they implement a project. I'm thinking about one person in particular, I won't mention the name. Yeah. Uh, and, we, we, you know, I went to visit her at school afterwards and, um, you know, the project she delivered was, was in a fourth year uh, transition year uh, class, which is a difficult class to teach anyway. But I do think the transition year program is a great program in schools that, that embrace it properly. Yeah. Um, uh, this particular teacher implemented a program that was based around UN sustainability goals. But the, the one thing I, I, when I went to visit the school was the joy and sense of achievement that I saw on the children's face. Children, these are like 15, 16 year olds, yeah. you know, uh, on, the, on the kids' faces, that they were let do something. And I think that this concept of project-based learning, if you look at what the, the work that High Tech High, uh, the school in California, are, uh, have done around project-based learning, and this concept around having a problem as an opportunity and understanding how to address that opportunity. This idea of rote learning for standardized assessment, that day has to be gone. Look what we did in this country uh, last year. All of a sudden, we have a whole uh, bunch of, of children who have never sat a state exam. We have seen that we can pivot as educators. We can literally overnight pivot and say, okay, we've got to go online. We've got to teach our students differently. We've got to assess them differently. We need new teaching and learning uh, technology. We need new teaching and learning tools. These approaches would have taken 18, 24, 36 months to talk about and, and, uh, and procrastinate over uh, before. And, and, and all of a sudden, we just don't. I mean, it really embraces uh, entrepreneurial thinking of having to be able to pivot and understand what is important, how to deliver it, in, in the best way. So I think the other thing to say, Mark, in this is this concept of product-oriented learning. So taking the concepts of entrepreneurial thinking in relation to releasing a new product into a market and bringing that into the classroom, because the teacher really no longer serves as the sole source of knowledge or that disciplinary authority, but rather as a, a motivator, a reviewer, a facilitator, an organizer. And the learner becomes uh, the owner of their learning and is responsible for seeking and securing that necessary guidance, knowledge, skills, and support to make those high quality products. And these changes for me are the facilitation and the cultivation of, of a creative entrepreneurial mindset that these kids are gonna need going into the future, as you said before. Like you say, everyone has some sort of interest or you know, has some sort of mini obsession with some sort of product or company or something. And when you guide them through a process of unpicking, what is it about that that's so intriguing to you and how yeah. do you think that was actually created? It just kind of completely unlocks how they kind of see things and what way they want to approach things. But as you were talking there, Alan, about the changes in a very short space of time that have happened in, in education, I remember being at one of the talks at the Innovation Academy. And I can't remember yeah. who the guest speaker was. Mm -hmm. I remember we were kind of having this group discussion on what is it going to take for, for these changes to come about that everyone is kind of in agreement on would actually be better. Yeah. And um, what they did say was on that, we need to stop thinking that we're going to be the ones to decide okay, right now we need to change. You know, that sometimes something might just come completely out of the blue that we have to adapt to very, very quickly. And uh, it was just funny because within a year and a half, that's exactly what had happened. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, Alan, piecing all that together and, and looking back over all these initiatives you've been involved in, you know, what have been some of your biggest insights so far? So, when I was a lecturer in Dublin Business School, where I kind of more or less started my 
academic career. I was there for seven years. Then I started doing things like design thinking sprints and, and implementing some of the learnings. And again, I, I saw the real, real impact it's had on the students' learning. It, you know, master students who have yeah. barely come to a, um, a, a lecture that I was giving on consumer behavior. Uh, and yes, you, you put on a, a design sprint, you involve an outside organization. Uh, in this case, it was one of the big banks in Dublin. And all, all of a sudden, you're completely oversubscribed for it. What does that tell you? You know, that just, for me, it was a game changer, you know. Yeah. And, and then moving forward very quickly, I'm now, uh, you know, took the role in the academy. And then I started to take over the running of the program, which is now called Creativity and Innovation and Education. And the biggest insight I've got since then, and I think this probably happened only in the last 12 months, was literally the impact that a changed mindset can have on an educator and how their changed mindset can be brought into their classroom and the tentacles of that mindset can go into the student's mind. This is the biggest insight. It's also the biggest opportunity. You know, and I, I used to say to my master's students, guys, I know only a very small amount more than you do. But the difference between you and me is I, I've just had more time to think about it. And I've just had more time to structure it. And I've just had more time to see where, where the best learning will fall. And I think to a certain extent, it's the same with this. You know, insights are, are, are fine, but you need to do something with them. If you even take the five stages of design thinking, and the first stage of design thinking, the empathy stage, is where you gain your insights. Yeah. And I, I think what I'm doing all the time in talking to people like you, Mark, keeping in touch with, with the uh, alumnus of the program, talking to teachers and students, engaging with, with other learners and breaking down silos, all these are hugely important to develop, uh, develop the skills needed. The one biggest insight, if you want to nail one to the mast, is when we went from the classroom to the online world, the ability to reach students across the world became overnight simple. You know, it was almost like that big example I use of this is the Amaga back in Copenhagen, where the city transformed an old incinerator into what's now a waste disposal site, an incinerator that powers 50,000 homes, the largest outdoor ski slope in the world. And I think it's now um, Copenhagen's biggest tourist attraction, you know, but they all said, oh, well, you can't do that. The same came for going online. And we did do it. And we started to reach new students. We started to have students engage in the program from, from the National University of Vietnam. Um, I've just uh, finished a two-week delivery of a module, 30 students in the University of Beijing. The, like the world has become a very small place. How do we nurture that? How do we capture this and move forward? Because if we learn nothing from the COVID-19 pandemic and the impact it has had on our working lives and our lives, then we've learned nothing. And I think that's a huge insight for me to take that learning now and move it forward in a way that we can all benefit from. Alan, even linking in with, with some of your colleagues and some, some of the past students that have gone through the program, you know, what do you think the specific things are that they've done to really nurture this mindset, but then to adapt to all the sorts of changes that you have to deal with on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what's important to understand here is that some of the, the you know, the teaching techniques and uh, tools we use are alternative. And I always say to newcomers to the program on day one, whatever you know about education, 
leave it outside the door. I want you to come in with, a, with an open mind, a new yeah. mindset. But if I, if I look back to then after the program, three things stand out. Uh, design thinking, the entrepreneurial mindset, and the values that they now re-appreciate as an educator, which to me is, is the hardest thing to change. It's very hard to change somebody's approach and mindset. Uh, and I think one of the key tools that helps that is, is the co-create, you mentioned it, Ermark, the co-creation of the learning environment. So every program we run, every iteration is different because there's a different set of people on every course coming from a different background. Uh, different teaching institutions, uh, different levels, and so on and so forth. So I think the beauty of, the, of, of having five or six people in a, in a team working together over a day-long design sprint, solving a problem uh, around education, maybe something around designing a new education space, and having a primary school teacher, a secondary school teacher, a third-level educator from the School of Medicine, uh, an educator from the further education and training sector, and uh, maybe a teacher from a teacher training college. They will never be together <laughs> in any other setting. They develop those relationships. They keep the network going after the uh, program. And that community of practice is hugely important to uh, work together. Definitely agree. I think most of the learning takes place even long after the activity has actually finished. These are the type of activities that just stick in your mind for weeks and months after, you know, they're, they're still running around there somewhere and the penny drops quite far down the road. And looking to going forward, Alan, you know, what are your hopes for this sort of education in the future? My, my hope for this is that looking at maybe where we are at the moment in the time we're living in and today, like the, I think it's the first time I woke up listening to the news with positive change. Yeah. You know, things are beginning to open up, things are beginning to change and so on. The last year we've gone through the pandemic, I hope we learn that the current education system needs to change and that COVID-19 has been a catalyst for that change. That the, uh, the work we're doing in the academy is now, and it is recognized, but I, I think that it's now recognized as fundamentally important for the future of society, future of economy, the way people live and learn. And to, to move that thinking into uh, schools, uh, both primary and secondary, I mean, my wife is a primary school teacher focusing on special, um, special education. She would agree with me when I say that we need to start to embed this thinking in primary schools because it is it's an iterative learning process. It needs to come through primary into secondary you know, to be developed at, th at third level. Um, that thinking just is not there yet. I would hope that would be understood and developed and brought into our wider education system. We will be living in a disruptive world I think going forward for the next number of years uh, with regard to uh, uh, COVID-19, it's, its impact. We need to address these difficult times in a different way. We can't continue to teach students uh, and prepare them for the past when the future is where we need to go, you know. Alan, thanks very much for joining me today. I think even for people who aren't involved in formal education at the moment, they're definitely going to pick up a few insights along the way there. So thanks very much. Great, Mark. And thanks for the opportunity to speak to you. Really appreciate it. All the best. Hi, Mark here again. Thanks for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed our conversation and picked up a few insights from it. 
Be sure to leave us a rating from where you get your podcasts and even better, share it with a friend who you think will enjoy it. Thanks again and I hope you tune in next week.